The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast America presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $100 to get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-D-E-T. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by the SGPN NFL Playoff Challenge. $500 in cash and Prizes up for grabs exclusively on the SGPN app. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Scott Reichel, but this time not going solo, joined by co-host Sam Jacob. And together, we got a lot, a lot of stuff to go through because it's the biggest episode, most important episode so far of 2023. It's Australian Open season. So, of course, we're going to break down the Futures episode, going through the draws, going through the quarter odds, going through the outrights for the whole tournament. You know the drill, but I'm joined once again by Sam Jacob. Sam, have you been looking forward to uh, going through the tournament with you? You excited? Yeah, of course. Uh, obviously, one of the biggest tournaments of the year, uh, the Australian Open, starting out in January, which is uh, a lot of people's favorites. And we have a lot of things to break down, quarters, futures, matches. I got a, a bunch of futures here, some value picks, some long shots. I'm excited to get through it with you. Yeah, definitely going to be a thrilling tournament. I know there were some concerns about Djokovic's hamstring which he apparently suffered an injury with in Adelaide as he ended up beating Korda in that thrilling three-set match in the final. However, he was seen yesterday against Kyrgios in the exhibition, whatever you want to call it. So apparently he's fine. Movement didn't seem like to be an issue. It was an exhibition, so they had a couple of long rallies and nothing crazy. So I am curious if the hamstring will be an issue throughout this tournament especially in three out of fives instead of two out of three. But I'm going to ask you first, Sam, because we know Djokovic is really the best Australian Open player of all time. I don't think it's really a debate. He's won this tournament all the time. The only time he didn't was, well, last year because he wasn't allowed into the country. So I'm going to ask you this before we get into the outrights and everything like that in general, since Djokovic is the favorite. How concerned are you about the hamstring? Uh, I'm not too concerned about it. We've seen in the past him have little tweaks and minor injuries, and he's been able to pull through and and win the tournaments, no matter what tournament we're actually looking at. So I'm not too concerned here. It's something to make a note of, but I'm not really putting in uh, the injury into the focus of my analysis throughout the tournament with him. Yeah, and I am going to ask, since Djokovic is obviously the massive favorite, Alcaraz unfortunately cannot be here because he has a leg injury, so Djokovic is minus 120. However, we do see a couple of familiar faces, so to speak, that we have not seen for a while. Uh, most notably, you have Zverev, who's coming back from injury. Any expectations for him, or do you think that it's going to be really just about trying to stay healthy, trying to progressively look sharper with each passing match, do you think there's any type of expectations for Zverev here or just to look relatively comfortable and to slowly build his way back? Uh yeah, I don't I'm not really setting a high too high of a bar here for him. Uh we saw him earlier uh, this month and last month, uh, do a, a couple of tournaments and do a couple of exhibitions. And I haven't seen too much of him, uh, especially in actual tournament play. We saw him Played Djokovic in exhibition, Seppi, Auger in exhibition, and he was in the United Cup. But I didn't really see such great 
uh, momentum and uh, performances when he did do those things. So I don't I don't have such a high bar here, but he still is Alexander Zverev. So it's someone to take account for. But like I said before, I just don't have too high of expectations. Yeah, I'm just mentioning him because it's the first time we've seen him since that really gruesome injury at the French Open. As you said, he played some exhibitions, but this is his first Grand Slam since. So I'm kind of curious how he's going to look. So just mentioning that as kind of a footnote. But uh, we already mentioned Djokovic. Before we actually get into any of the other outrights, do want to take a quick word from our sponsors. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Game Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are a ton of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays. The NFL playoffs are here. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100 and get $100. Limited to state availability. So much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgampodcast.com slash winbet. So then we send you the sportsgampodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call one 800 522-4700. SGPN has teamed up with Homage for an NFL playoff challenge. The winner will get $300 cash, a $100 SGPN gift card, and a $100 Homage gift card. Homage has a ton of cool retro and throwback officially licensed NFL gear. Check them out at sportsgampodcast.com slash homage. For all the contest details and to enter, download the SGPN app and hit contest. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Scaling Podcast. Just finished briefly discussing Djokovic's hamstring and then talking about the return of Zverev to Grand Slam Tennis. But we do have to talk about the actual betting because that is the purpose of the show. Uh, going through the actual tournament outrights, do you want to mention the outrights for, I'd say, the main... 15 players or so. Of course, you have so many players, so there's a couple of long shots maybe we'll mention separately. But to read off the odds, once again, kind of depends on where you're looking at because I'm sure the odds fluctuate. But Djokovic is the prohibitive favorite at around minus 120, minus 110, give or take. You have Medvedev, who's last year's runner-up, at around 6-1. to one. You have Nadal at 14-1, to one, defending champion. Tsitsipas is 14-1. to one. Kyrgios is 16-1. to one. Sinner is 20 to 1. Felix is 20 to 1. Fritz is 20 to 1. Uh, Rune is 25 to 1. Corda is 33 to 1. Rude is 33 to 1. Uh, Berrettini's at 40. Nori's at 50. And Zverev is at 50. Once again, if there's any guys that we didn't mention, I'm sure we'll mention them separately. But starting off with those uh, players that I just mentioned, Sam, we're going to start off with Djokovic. Should they just name it the Djokovic Invitational at this point because he wins every year? No, I can't. We can't. We can't go ahead and do that yet. But we do have to look at the key players. Um, obviously, he's a cl- clear favorite. But we have to look at the the key players here that could have potential of beating him. And it's really, in my opinion, the top name guys out there to even be close to competing with him. And that's Medvedev. Sitsipas, Kyrgios, I know Sitsipas, no, he's not going to beat Djokovic, but I'm just naming the top guys that even have a potential of doing that, and then we'll break it down further. We have Nadal, and we have Zverev. If you want to throw Berrettini in there, that's perfectly fine with me. I'm not going to throw Rude in there, even though he is a top guy and made a couple finals. Um, we saw what Djokovic can do against Rude. But of those guys, those are, those are the potential people that can beat him, right? Like, you're not thinking of any other guy that can even come close to him, right? Unless the hamstring acts up, no. And even if that's the case, I think Djokovic is better than everybody else we just mentioned. You brought up Nadal. 
I think I'm going to write Nadal off, to be honest with you. I know he was in the United Cup. He didn't particularly look great. Uh, he's still definitely a little bit, I can't say rusty, but ever since his run there in the U.S. Open, where he was even struggling at that point, then he lost to Tiafo, and it seems like he's battled some injuries for the last year or so. I know you got to mention Nadal because of the fact that he's one of the greatest two players of all time. Is it safe to say that a, writing him off might be the smart move? I know he's a defending champion, but he just has not looked as sharp as you'd want him to be to actually bet on him to win the tournament. Would you agree with that? No, for sure. And I'm going to write off a bunch of those guys. I just I just want to mention the guys that could even have a shot of doing it. And that's why I'm throwing Nadal in there because, you know, he's off Nadal. He has a shot no matter what, even though we obviously I'm going to break down here and cancel out a bunch of these guys. But do you think Nadal is that guy that is not playing up to his full performance or as he could be playing at the moment? Or do you think there's another guy here um, that fits that profile? Well, I'll tell you what, for Nadal in particular, I'm not going to roast him too hard because I know that he's battled a lot of injuries in his career and he's seemed to always prove people wrong. I'm not saying Draper's going to beat him in the first round. That's a really tough opening match. Draper had a pretty nice run there in his last event. He ended up losing uh, to Quan uh, in that three-setter uh, early, early Friday morning. But Draper's very tricky, and if you're looking at the draw for Nadal, it's really not the most favorable draw. And he's going to face off against Draper in the first round, then either Nakashima or McDonald. I'm assuming it would be Nakashima, but that's not exactly easy either. Then probably Yemmer or Nishioka, and he's better than both those guys. But if I told you worst-case scenario for Nadal, he loses to either Draper or Nakashima. Would you be as shocked as you normally would be? Or does that seem kind of reasonable because of how, I'd say, underwhelming he's looked over the past couple of weeks? Um, I would say I'd be more shocked at Nakashima than Draper at this point. But it's a tough draw. I definitely understand what you're saying. I read off the guys that I think even have potential. And what I'm really getting here is I think there's only one other guy even in this tournament, given the performances of um, of the names I've mentioned, that could even come close to Djokovic. And unfortunately, he's in his quarter, and that's Nick Kyrgios. And that's the only the only reason why right now, with Kyrgios' mental state and everything, is because he's in Australia. I think Medvedev, of course, you know, Medvedev is the world number one. He's beaten Djokovic in the U.S. Open. Runner-up in the Australian Open as well. I, I just... I, I've seen his performances recently. I've seen his performances late summer, and I really don't think he's stacking up right now to what his real performance could be and what his standard is. So I'm I'm knocking off Medvedev and the rest of the guys. I don't think if Djokovic is okay to play this tournament throughout the tournament, uh, can even come close. And obviously, we saw Djokovic play Kyrgios and knocked him out of Wimbled the Wimbledon finals to win Wimbledon. Djokovic did. So the only guy I would say is Nick Kyrgios has a chance here, but I'm not going to say anybody else is going to win this tournament. I think this is the joke of his show. I think if you're going to pick one of the one one guy here, it's definitely Djokovic. But when you look at value or you want to play some other flyer, it's got to be Kyrgios. That's really it. That's all I see. Yeah, I think Kyrgios should be, I don't want to say an autoplay, but definitely an attractive option there in the 16-1 to 1 range, especially with... 
Once again, Djokovic may be having a hamstring issue as the tournament goes along. We don't exactly know the full extent of the hamstring injury. And one exhibition match against against Kyrgios isn't going to tell you anything. So just keep an eye on that. Kyrgios, though, we know has the serve. He has the ability to hypothetically beat Djokovic. And he also will have a tremendous amount of crowd support, which might help him out. But you mentioned Medvedev. Uh, to go into a bit more detail, of course, we remember that he actually did not win a match in the ATP Finals. Ended up losing a couple of heartbreakers. I believe he lost in a third set tiebreak in all of those matches. Didn't win a single match. Lost to Rublev, lost to Tsitsipas, and lost to Djokovic. So I do agree with you. I don't think there's any value on Medvedev. If Medvedev was around nine to one, maybe I'd consider it. But five fifty six to one, I think that's a pass. Tsitsipas is well. To be honest, I he's definitely good enough to make a deep run. The problem is his quarter is borderline impossible. He's facing off against Sinner, Felix, and Nori in the same quarter. And even Shorich, who we know can be a bit sneaky. I feel like Sitsipas's quarter is a bit too tricky for me to fully invest in him. Besides all the head case stuff that we've known from him over the past couple of years. So Sitsipas, I wanted to make a case for. I don't think I can. We already mentioned Kyrgios, who I agree with you with. Do you want to make a case for Sinner or Felix? Because both those guys are in the same quarter. They're in Sitsipas's draw. Do you think either of them are going to have a serious moment here? Because Felix had a match point or two. I don't remember how many he had against Medvedev last year and ended up losing in that five-set thriller. Sinner, we know, made a deep run in the U.S. Open. Had that uh, hard. Or he made a deep run in Wimbledon and uh, the U.S. Open. Wimbledon, he lost in the quarters, but still, he gave Djokovic a serious run for his money, and then he had that all-time great match against Alcaraz in the U.S. Open. Do you think either of those guys maybe have a shot of being a young, up-and-comer guy who breaks through, maybe even throw Rune into the mix? Do you think any of the young guys could be a dark horse candidate? Well, the way I look at it is if I put up those guys against Djokovic or Kyrgios, which is most likely going to be one of the finalists here in this tournament, do I think they're going to win? My answer is no. So I think there's no there's no path for them, even though they may be on the other side of the half of the tournament. If they have to face those guys in the final, I don't I don't see them winning. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you this since we're kind of trying to I don't say grasp at straws, but of course we think Djokovic is probably going to win the thing. I'm going to ask you about the American. I'm going to ask you about Taylor Fritz, because if we're talking about current form and we're talking about guys who are entering the tournament playing at really the highest level they've played in their entire careers, I got to mention Fritz, who's been fantastic, and he helped carry the U.S. to a championship in the United Cup as they ended up beating Italy, I believe, 3-0 in the final uh, he beat Berrettini in a, a couple tie breaks. He ended up beating Herkaz in the semis, I believe, when the U.S. beat Poland. Do you want to put any stock in Fritz? I know we didn't go through the quarters yet. We're going to talk about that in a second. I think Fritz is really in line for a good showing here because last year he made a decent run. I remember he beat Batista Agut, if I'm not mistaken, and he ended up having a pretty good run there, and then it eventually got cut short. We saw him against Nadal in Wimbledon. He probably should have won the match. I know Nadal was compromised, but we've seen Fritz kind of dip his toes in the water of making serious runs. Do you think he's got a decent do you think he's got a good opportunity to make a semi? Because I do think based on current form, Fritz is a top ten player now. He just had a great run there in the United Cup. 
it seems like there's a lot of green check marks looking at Fritz's current form. I think this is a perfect segue to get into quarters because if we're looking at if he, we think that he's going to get into the semis, then we're looking at the quarter quarter winners. Um, do I, I think that he has a chance to win the entire tournament? Not really. You know, he'll have to play Kyrgios or Djokovic in the semifinal, and then I think it, it would get too much for him. For the but record, he's, he's perfect- twenty to one. I didn't mention that he's twenty to one to win the tournament. Fair, fair enough, but uh, you'll have to if you're looking for a hedge opportunity, you have to hedge in the semifinal and final. That gets a little tricky there. So I think it's a perfect segue into quarters. So we could look at the fourth quarter if if you'd like to go. Sure. I mean, we're kind of jumping around first. Qu- oh, you know, we'll start with the first quarter actually, just quickly. Actually, no, sorry, the uh, fourth, uh, the third quarter we'll start with because we have Djokovic and Kyrgios. Do you want to make a case for Rune or Rublev or even a fun team draw there? Or just don't even bother. It's going to be either Djokovic or Kyrgios because I'm pretty sure it's going to be either one of the two. Uh, Yeah, well, looking at the draw here, we have Djokovic and Kyrgios on the other side of each half of the quarter. And Djokovic is going to have to go up against Carbias Banya, one of the Delian Kokaud winners. Dimitrov or Karatsev, pretty much. And then he hits more of a Demon Hour, Karina Busta, which is honestly not the easiest tournament he's ever had to play in terms of matchup, but it still shouldn't be that big, that that tough. Uh, when you get to the other side of it, you'll have Rune having to play Kyrgios, um, I believe it would be in the quarter final. Uh, not in the quarter no, final. No, it would be the round, round of 16. That, um, so I think Rune may be able to get there, but then he'd have to play Kyrgios before he even gets there. So I, I think it's going to be too tough. I think Rublev does get past everyone to get into to be uh, to play Kyrgios. So he'd have to beat Dominic Team, who's you know not in uh, ideal sh- form. That team and exhibition looked okay, but once again, it's exhibition it doesn't mean anything. But I know he had a good match against Diminor. Rublev has really not been good to start the year, and I faded him in the first podcast of the year. I took Batista Agut, who ended up beating him. Then Rublev lost to Kokonakis in Adelaide 2, which was uh, last... It wasn't last night, it was a couple nights ago. But the point is, Rublev, I'm in pure stay away from him at this point. He's a very streaky player. I'm not sure Rublev gets past team, to be honest with you. I'm not saying that he's officially going to lose. I want nothing to do with Rublev in this tournament. Yeah, which means I don't want anything, anyone, anything to do with anyone here in this in this quarter. Because if you're thinking the only person here is Curious, and if you think he's going to make a run, you might as well go with the flyer him to win the tournament. Because if he wins the quarter, he's going to be Djokovic, and then who do you, who does he run up against? People that may be inferior to his talent at this point. So he'll be a betting um, favorite in like every other match, every match if he ends up beating Djokovic. Besides maybe Medvedev, and that's maybe because he's done well head to head against Medvedev. Very well. And right now with Medvedev's play, I think Kyrgios is able to take advantage of how Medvedev is doing just by play style. So uh, I don't think there's any value in this quarter when it comes uh, to picking someone to win the quarter. I don't either. Rune is kind of intriguing at 7-1, to maybe because we did see him beat Djokovic in the Masters 1000 final last year. But this is 3 out of 5. Beating Djokovic 2 out of 3 is, I don't want to say a lot easier, but it's easier. Completely different ball game, and the fact is you're still in Australia. The climate we know is going to be really painful to endure at times, and this is Djokovic's backyard. It's his first time here. Emotions are going to be high because he couldn't defend his title last year. 
I think Djokovic is going to win the quarter. So I, I thought we could start here because I feel like this was the easiest one to break through. I'm not going to really go past Djokovic or Kyrgios. Rune is the fun one. If you think he can get past Kyrgios and maybe Djokovic has once again an injury that acts up, but I just think it's Djokovic Kyrgios in the quarters. You yeah, agree on that? Yeah, I'm with you. To win the quarter, yeah. Yeah, to win the quarter. So I think it's going to wrap it up for the third quarter. Now we can go into the fourth because I just mentioned Fritz, and that's how we kind of got started with the transition. Fritz is favored to win the quarter. He's around plus 200, give or take. Once again, if you shop right, you can probably find better lines, but probably plus 250 tops, if I had to guess. Uh, you have Rude as the second favorite at 450, Zverev at 475, Berrettini at 5. You have Batista Agut at 12. Brooksby at 12, Paul at 16, Tekmanovic at 18, Koganagas at 18, and I feel like we can kind of cut it off from there. No offense to Gulfin. But Fritz is my pick to win the quarter based on current form. I do think there is some value on Berrettini at around 5-1 to one or 550 because I do think with him just being a great server, great forehand, he's had some success in Australia in the past. I think those are the two that I'm looking at the most. Zverev at 475 would be a bargain if he was in full form. He has not played a three out of five set match since he got injured against Nadal. And even with that, he got injured in the second set. So he hasn't gone distance in a long time. And he hasn't been playing well recently. He played in the United Cup. He lost to Leshika in two nothing in sets, and then lost to Fritz two nothing in sets. I don't think there's any way that I could hop on this Vera bandwagon here at plus four fifty. Oh, these odds plus are four seventy five like, to win the quarter. I, there's I don't... Zverev's odds should be where Batista Guts are. Like Zverev should be like twelve to one to win the quarter, give or take. I think Batista Guts odds are too high at twelve to one. The concern is though he is playing in the final against Quan later tonight or early Saturday morning. So you do have to worry about fatigue for an older guy. Is that a red flag for you for Batista Agut? Because he's in great form. He knows he's consistent. He did lose to Fritz last year in the Australian Open in five. But are there any potential long shots you're looking at? Long shots being, let's say, five to one or above. Because as far as I'm concerned, Rude, I want nothing to do with. No offense to him. I know he was a U.S. Open finalist. Hasn't really done anything this year. So I'm not interested. I think it's Fritz and Berrettini, if I had to pick two. With Batista Agut maybe being a long-distance flyer there at around 12-1, to 1, but that's kind of the two that I'm honing in on. You? I've got, I've got one, and I've got a deep long shot, and I think there's tremendous value on him given his price. And I think this is one of the times where I say, where I look at him and be like, listen, this may not happen, but this is not the eyes that it should be on this man. And it's for Diego Schwartzman at plus 4,000. Okay. He ends up having to play Olex C. Crew, I don't even know, uh, in the first round. Then he has to play Jordan Thompson or J.J. Wolf in the second round. Still shouldn't be too bad. Then he reaches Verve, who's not playing too well. Okay. He can easily get past that at that point. And now that's where it gets tough. Then he has to play Fritz. So, I mean, that's where it gets to a match where Fritz is obviously going to be decently favored, and he's going to have to um, he's going to have to pull through even when he's an underdog. Uh, but if he gets there, he has plus 4,000 opportunity to hedge at this moment, and he'd be playing one of Berrettini or Kasparud, which would really be a tough match at that point. But 
Diego Schwartzman is a name that I can't really say. Up, oh, he's going to lose to Barry. Up, oh, he's going to lose to Root for sure. He's a guy that sticks in there. He's a veteran player, and at plus four thousand, I think it's a crazy price for him. So I'm going to push back a little bit here because based on reputation and career, I agree with you. The problem is, I mentioned it last year in the back half of last year. I think Schwartzman's cooked. I'm just going to say it. I think that he's well past his prime, and I think that he's probably going to lose very early on in this event. I want nothing to do with him. I think he should end up beating the qualifier he's facing in the first round. I think Wolf's going to beat him, if I'm being honest with you. But Schwartzman, if you look at his last couple of matches, he's had a disastrous couple of months. To go through the results here, uh, facing off against Brooksby in Auckland, lost the first set 6-1, then he retired. United Cup, he was supposed to play twice, didn't play. Uh, then going back to Paris, lost to Cressy 6-3, 6-3. In Vienna, lost 6-4, 6-1 to Rublev. In Antwerp, lost 7-6, 6-2 to Goffin. Going further beyond that, uh, lost in Tel Aviv to Rinderknecht in three. Lost in the Laver Cup 6-2, 6-1 to Tsitsipas. Lost in the Davis Cup 6-2, 6-2 to Yemmer. And he also lost in straight sets at Tiafo. He should have won a couple of sets in that one, which was absurd. He lost in straight sets. But still, he's been awful since the Australian since the Australian Open, basically. From Davis Cup onward, which was early September, he has not won a singles match. He's been awful. Uh, I, I, th- I understand your point based on his overall career. That's a serious red flag for me. I, I No offense to Diego. I've liked him for a long time. I think he's a phenomenal player to watch. But based on his form since September, I think 4,000 actually might be reasonable. I think he's cooked. Well, you're thinking what you're forgetting about, in my opinion, is that this is a completely different ball game, And this is a three out of five uh, tournament compared to a two out of three tournament. You're looking at these amateur guys like or these young guys like uh, J.J. Wolf or... I don't. He has to play that qualifier to start with, mm. and they don't have so much experience in these three to five. Sets I, I, I get that comparatively, but... and then he has to play Zverev, who we have no idea mm. if he's going to be any good. I'm so not I... sure Zverev even gets that far. I, I understand your point. It's three out of five. There's a the actual draw is kind of favorable, but from once again, he, he hasn't won a singles match since September, like since September or August. I, I I can't I can't go to the window with Schwartzman here. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I hope you're right. I hope that Schwartzman shows something because I do love him as a player. It's been really, really bad. And uh, I I'm not think even he's looking at these two out of three. I mean, he's definitely past. I think he is also past his prime. He has better surfaces like Clay, for sure. That's a much better surface. But I'm I'm going down the book at plus 4,000 and hoping that the three out of five element, which is more heavy towards veteran elements, uh, can make him pull through and hopefully get me to a hedging opportunity there at plus 4,000. But that's just my pick. That's my play. Uh, it's fine. I'm just saying I don't think I'm going to join you in this venture. Instead, I think I am going to go with the guy who I think is going to beat Schwartzman in the second round. I think I am going to take Wolf at 3,500. I think he's a good player, just simply put. I think that he's good enough to take advantage of a weak draw. Yes, three out of five is definitely a little bit different, but he had success in two out of threes uh, at the end of last year. I think the draw, as you said, is favorable, which is why I do think there is some value taking a long shot in this section. For me, it's just not Schwartzman. I think Wolf is good enough, and he has the firepower on the forehand side 
and the serve, which is a bit underrated, to make a decent run. And I think my long shot here would be Wolf at 3,500. In reality, my main two or three bets would be Fritz at plus 200, Berrettini at 550, and I found Batista good at 14 to 1. I get fatigue could be an issue, but 14 to 1 for a player as reliable as Batista Agut, isn't that a little bit absurd? Uh, yes, to play Berrettini. Yes, gets through Berrettini, then Rude, and then Fritz. Well, well it's Berrettini and uh, Rude, but for the record, Berrettini does play Murray in the first round, which I'm assuming Berrettini's going to win, but it's not exactly a fun opening match for either guy. Kokonakis had a good run there in Adelaide. Maybe he can kind of channel the serve and take advantage of maybe Murray or maybe a compromised Berrettini. So Batista Gut has Souza and then either Holt or Vukic. In other words, he should cruise into the third round. And yeah, then if sure. you're relying on maybe Kokonakis or Murray or somebody else to face off against him, I think a good's good enough to make it into the round of 16. 14 to 1? That's a pretty decent draw for a guy who has two basically buys in the first two rounds. Yeah, the first two rounds easy, is easy to get through. Then he gets to the tough part. So if you think he could get past Barrettini, I'm, I'm, I can fully agree with that. If you think it might be a challenge there, that's where you might want to just, you know, fade away a little bit from it. And I'm hoping that Berrettini potentially slips up against either Kokonakis or Murray, which would make my life a lot easier. But at 14 also, to 1, I think I'm going to take it. Fair enough. My Your JJ Wolf is using my reasoning. Yeah, correct. You just picked a different guy. That's my side of the That's bracket. what I said. I said it's an easy draw. <laughs> I'm just not picking Schwartzman. That's exactly what I said. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. And it makes sense because our guys are clashing in the second round. So we have the exact same idea with the draw. I'm just going with the younger guy who I think is going to show something in 2023 as opposed to the older guy who I think is in the later stages of his career. Well, I just I just hope Diego and JJ Wolf get to each other in, in round two and we see a good match there. Yeah, I hope so too. But uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for the fourth quarter. Actually, I mentioned my plays. I'm going with Fritz. I'm going with Berrettini. I'm going with Agut. And I'll take a very, very small long shot bet there with Wolf. Uh, what are your picks? You're taking three guys and then another guy? I actually am kind of tempted by it. And the super long <laughs> shot, once again, I mean, you're talking about like a tenth of a unit. Like you're barely putting anything on this because the payout's oh, yeah, 35 to one. Yeah. So it's technically four guys, but in reality, it's three and a little sprinkle or something on a super long shot. I got gotcha. you. Sprinkled evenly besides the long shot. I understand. Okay. Uh, for the fourth quarter, I'm just going with my guy, with Schwartzman, a small sprinkle on that. And then I'll revisit another pick on a different quarter that I like. I'm going to stay away with uh, betting markets here on this quarter. Someone asked, though, is there a reason why you don't want to go after Fritz or Berrettini? Um, I I don't like... Well, Berrettini, I'm a little scared of at the moment. It's not a great draw know, for Berrettini. I, it's not the best draw, and I don't know how his performance is going to be. It's a little scary. I'm more... I still... I think Fritz is going to be playing well this um, this tournament, and I think he is going to do well. I just don't want to... I just don't want to put plus 200 on him, so I'm just going to pass on this one. When you have Casper Rude there, who's been making huge, huge runs in tournaments, it just scares me a little bit. I don't know. Rude, I'm just not in on uh, throughout the recent tournaments he's been in. If you look at his results since the Australia... Uh, since the, uh, the U.S. Open... He's been okay uh, in the ATP finals. He did beat Fritz in three sets. 
uh, 7-6 tiebreak in the final set. Lost to Nadal, beat Rublev, and then ended up losing to Djokovic in the final. So he made a decent run there. Since then, though, he was in the World Tennis Championship, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Sitsipas killed him. Then he beat Alcaraz, who might have been injured at the time. United Cup, he did beat Montero, but did lose 6-4, 6-4 to Berrettini. So Berrettini that's not just so beat. Bad. Yeah, but it's not, not bad. That's no, it's not, not bad. Terrible. But the it's point not is, like he completely flopping. No, he's not flopping. He lost to Dejir in his first match in Auckland. But the fact that Berrettini just beat him six four six four, I think, is telling that Berrettini might have some value against Root. At least yeah, how fair, I look at it. Fair enough. I'm just uh, that's. I was just explaining why I didn't want to take Fritz at plus two hundred. I get it. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, right, but I'll let you start side. off the next quarter. I'll let you pick. You have the first quarter, the second quarter. Dior's choice. Well, this is the the two quarters that you would take a, who would win the top half or who would get to the finals on. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's start with just breaking down each uh, quarter, starting with the first quarter. You have Medvedev as the clear favorite at plus 110, and you have Nadal at plus 330. Korda, who just made a great finals performance against Djokovic at plus 700. Hercats plus twelve hundred, Tiafo plus twelve hundred, Shapovalov plus twelve hundred, a lot of guys at that twelve range, mm-hmm. and Hashanov at sixteen to one. That's really where I'm gonna end it. If you want to put Jury Per at eighteen to one, that's fine, but he has played it all in the first round, so that's a little tough. Anyway, um the person who I'm really looking at is not anyone in the single digit range as in plus 100 to plus 900 because of how they've been performing lately. I am very low on Medvedev right now. I just really don't think he's playing up to how he could really play. And like you said with Nadal, it's a little scary moment to be heavily on him. So uh, plus 330, I just don't see the value. So what I'm looking at is somebody who is not close to Medvedev and then hopefully can make a good run here um, and where Medvedev could get knocked out early and then or in the earlier rounds, hopefully, and then could pull through. So I'm looking at uh, more of a deep opportunity here with somebody who has actually been performing pretty well with Francis Tiafo, the American. And that's only because of his draw. Because he's in the top part of the region where he doesn't have to play Nadal until the end. And he's on the opposite side of Hashanov, who's easily beatable, in my opinion. If your name is Tiafo, not to knock Hashanov in any way, he was able to be curious in U.S. Open. He put a help performance up as well. But he has to play Altemeyer in the first round, then Atta in the second round. Then he has to play Hashanov, most likely. And then he'll have to get to Nadal, who I think Francis Tiafo would be able to beat even and has a great chance to beat um, if they end up matching up against each other. And then if Medvedev gets there, then he would have to play Medvedev there. So I'm going to ask you a question about Tiafo because based on his really just phenomenal back half of 2022, made the fourth round of Wimbledon, lost that heartbreaker to Golfin, and then made the semis, lost that heartbreaker to Alcaraz. The issue that you have with Tiafo, I'm going to ask you a trivia question. He has been in the main draw of the Australian Open six times in his career. He made the quarters once back in 2019. How many times has he made it into the third round? In 2019, real quick, 2019 when he made the quarters, is, that's the, that was his best performance. He got to the quarterfinal. Yes, that's right? his best performance. I believe Zverev kicked the crap out of him. But, okay, so, what so was that, the you automatically have won. He's made it past the second round once minimum. From 2019. 
You have five other years. How many times he made it past the second round? Uh, one. Zero. zero. Yeah, He's never made it. Coming. Yeah, well, it, it, I don't really care at this point. I mean, he has he's putting up a great performance. History is in the back pocket at this point. Doesn't I, I don't think it relates that much. I mean, you've seen guys come out big in these tournaments that haven't done it before. And Tiafa with how he's been performing now, and he's made it into the quarters before, and the, the significant draw that he has, I don't really care that he hasn't gone so far uh, with how he's been doing right now and what, what he has in front of him in terms of players and matchups and his opponents. The only reason why I'm bringing it up, I'm not sure if it matters either, but I'm bringing it up because Tiafa we've seen in his matches, especially three out of five, his fitness level can dip rather quickly, or we'll put it this way, his overall stamina and his overall, as I said before, energy levels are very inconsistent throughout matches. They tend to fluctuate a lot. Can we agree on that? No, absolutely. So the fact that they're in Australia and the fact that it's going to be a warm climate, I do wonder if that will be a concern if they throw him on the outdoor courts. Uh, I mean, he he did do very well in his previous run in the U.S. Open. It was very hot then. It was, but I think we can acknowledge that Australia heat's a little bit different than the U.S. Open, but yes. I, I, I just think he has the talent with the draw. The names that I, I rang out there, who do you have? Oh, no, it's a good draw. Don't early. get me wrong. I, just, I, I don't have anyone here. I'm just so. playing devil's advocate. I'm just wondering if you think it's a potential concern that his fitness levels have been inconsistent, and now he has to play in Australia and in the U.S. Open. He also had a couple of matches indoors because he faced off against Nadal. He was the American. He got to play in the Dome Stadium, so it was kind of you know ins- insulated at, at, to some degree. Does that concern you at all or no? I'm just bringing it up. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate. It would concern me if I'm not taking somebody that's twelve to one. Yeah, you know, I'm taking fair. somebody that I get a nice value on, and I get twelve to one on my money. I'm not taking somebody that I'm only getting two to one to win six matches. I'm getting somebody that will that I get twelve to one to win these matches. Yeah, I think uh, so. Okay, so you mentioned Tiafo. That's going to be your only bet of this quarter. Uh, that is correct. Okay, so. I think you're being a little bit harsh on oh, Medvedev. Actually, I, I will do also Hercots. Hercots as well, 12-1. Because okay. he's watched, on the side of Medvedev, and he's also a very, very good player. I watched Hercats against Fritz in the United Cup. He was fine. Fritz was better, but Hercats gave it a decent run. I believe he lost in two tie breaks, if I'm not mistaken. But still, I think you're being a bit harsh on Medvedev. I understand the value might not be great at plus 115, but you're looking at his results. We mentioned how he lost every match in a deciding set tie break in the ATP finals. Since then, he had uh, a couple matches there in the tennis cup, which I'm pretty sure is an exhibition. Uh, ended up beating Zverev, ended up beating Warenka, lost to Fritz 7-6-7-6. Then he went into Adelaide, beat Sonigo in a set, and then uh, Sonigo retired. Beat Kekmanovic 6-0-6-3, beat Kakanov 6-3-6-3, and then lost to Djokovic. So I do agree that he's not in great enough form to win the tournament for me. I think he's probably going to make it to the semis, if I'm being honest with you. I just, I'm just i not sure if the value is there, but I think Medvedev should be the huge favorite in this quarter. I think he's still in good form. He's just not in good enough form in our eyes to win the Grand Slam. Can we agree on that? I think he's like, I think his play style is starting to, like some people are trying, are taking advantage of it. I think that's what I think the main thing here is people have been realizing how he's been playing and people he's, have been taking yeah. advantage of it. That's what well, he's that's too what passive. He goes, he goes into brick wall mode. But he doesn't hit enough winners. 
Yeah, yeah, and we've seen guys like Tsitsipas, Kyrgios, Fritz take advantage of it. So that's what's just that's what scares me the most. Yeah, a plus one fifteen. I think Medvedev probably wins the quarter, but I can understand your points with a potential lack of value with a guy who has been gr- has been good but not great, and Medvedev could potentially be susceptible to an upset. You mentioned Tiafo at 12 to 1, which I don't necessarily mind for the price. I just brought it up because of the fitness concerns in the past and the fact that it's in Australia and historically has not done well in Australia for the last three uh, times he's been here. Uh, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on Corda because he kind of showed me something there in that run there before losing to Djokovic. You look at his overall draw, face off against Garin. Then facing off against probably Rinderknecht, but I'm not concerned by it. And then probably Medvedev. So the one concern is he faces Medvedev in the third round. Do you think Korda's got a shot to at least make it a serious match, or do you think that he just gets steamrolled? We're talking Korda. Yeah, Korda. I thought I thought we were in agreement with Korda here with Korda's performances. We, I I think this might be like um I forgot what they call graduation goggles or something. You, you're looking at you know his past performance in the recent tournament, and you saw. I, that I never said I'm taking him. I'm just bringing it up because he he just had a great match, and we mentioned it briefly. I'm just wondering if you think that he's got a shot. Because if we're talking about Medvedev not having much value at the current price. I'm asking where you think the first hypothetical slip-up might be from Medvedev. Do you think Korda's got a shot to potentially upset him? Uh, Korda? I, I don't know. I don't know if he has a... My issue with playing Korda here is the value of it. Because he has to play... If he gets there, he has to play Medvedev. And Medvedev will obviously be a clear favorite. You know, Medvedev, I think people could take advantage of. So let's say even say in this hypothetical situation, he beats Medvedev. Uh-oh, what's your next step? Hercots. Oh, somehow you pull up a miracle upset against Hercots. Uh-oh, what's your next step? Nadal. You know, it's it's yeah. plus 700 with that kind of bracket. And I always look at the draws. I just love... Well, you have to. That's what I think is If you're so betting a tournament this it. big, you got to always try to account for some breaks that might go your way. And if you're looking at the odds for draws... You don't have to beat the guys in front of you in terms of odds. You just need them to lose to anybody. Right. And I there's there's I don't know if there's one other person, maybe team or something, but I want Corda to be really successful and I like him as a player, but he's too volatile for me at this point with the especially with the draw he has. I think my issue with Corda is I mean, just to be completely blunt, I think he's a choker. He's still very young. He can work on it. We've seen him punt matches before. Was it Nadal Indian Wells? I think. He was up like uh, two breaks in the in the final set, and he choked it. Yep. Yeah, we, we've seen it before. That's the main issue I have with Corda. I don't trust him in the big moments enough. I just mentioned it because, of course, he had that great performance against Djokovic, and we're kind of throwing out some potential long-shot feelers. I didn't say I'm taking Corda. I was just asking because shopping around, you found 7-1 to one at one book. It's 5-1 to one on another book, so there's $2 differential, which is why I was kind of asking. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be like blunt about this, and I don't mean to be insulting to anybody out there, but I think quarter by the bookmakers are making a sucker play here. I call I them think, a choker, so I mean, you you can break it down how you want to, but no, I'm I'm not saying that I'm not like uh, insulting him as a player. I'm talking about the bookmakers of value here, plus seven hundred. I think people just saw him did well in the previous tournament, so the bookmakers are like, oh. We'll get him at plus seven hundred. Oh, I'm saying that you Where shouldn't I have to apologize because I'm saying you shouldn't have to apologize because technically I said something more offensive than you did because I called him out as a player. 
No, you're right about that. So there you go. <laughs> so I'm not apologizing for that either. Until Cordai C show up in big moments and not blink, which he's done all the time in his career, I'm going to assume that things might go a bit let's just say poorly against Medvedev or anybody that pushes him to the brink. But to go through my picks for this section, I'm assuming we're both out on Chapo. I know he took Nadal five sets last year and he got annoyed that Nadal took an injury timeout after the fourth set and there was a delay there. He's too volatile, correct? We're just not taking Chapo. No, I'm I'm passing on him. Yeah, so yeah, he has I to play Hercots also in that region. That's the thing. I, I don't know where the value actually is. I think you might be onto something with Tiafo if the fitness isn't a concern. Once again, I think Medvedev's going to win the quarter, but mm-hmm. I don't know if there's value at plus 115. I'm not taking Nadal. There's no chance I'm taking Nadal, even with the form he's in. If you're optimistic that he's going to look pretty sharp, playing Draper and Nakashima in the first two rounds kind of sucks. Oh, yeah, big time. So I, I think that if his level is a bit concerning and he might have maybe a couple four-set matches in the first two rounds, maybe even beyond that, I don't think Nadal is going to have an easy time in the first two rounds. And I've mentioned it in previous tournaments. If you want your guy to win the event, of course, you have a couple of exceptions with Djokovic. You can win constantly in four or five sets. You kind of want your guy to breeze through the first few rounds to save energy. I don't think Nadal has that luxury here. So I'm completely passing on Nadal. Oh, yeah, that's a big factor. You definitely want your guy to have it. In Australia as well, because you, you know, Draper. the heat and the humidity, it's crazy. Yeah, no, no, that, you, that, that's definitely a factor. Yeah, 100%, you want your guy to have that. In Australia especially. So Nadal, I'm completely out on. I'm picking Medvedev to win the quarter. As for outrights, I'll probably join you on Tiafo at 12-1, to 1, uh, just because I think the price is a little bit high. I think he should be lower than Chapo and Herkaz, in my opinion. But once again, I think I'm picking Medvedev to just win the quarter. But yeah, fair, fair enough. And you want to move into the second quarter? Well, I do want to say um, also with one of these guys like Herkaz or Tiafo, um, you have them at plus twenty five hundred also to reach the final. I know obviously you're going to have to play somebody in that second quarter, which is going to be really tough. But if you do think that the analysis is there and they're a good flyer to win the quarter, just putting it out there, it's also 25 to 1 to make the final. Well, I was going to say, do you think there's any potential value in taking either Medvedev to reach the final at plus 250 or maybe Medvedev versus Djokovic at plus 450? You're not even interested in that at all. No, you heard what I think about yeah. Medvedev at this point. Well, I was wondering um, if that was a uh, pure, I was wondering if that was a pure distrust of Medvedev, or you just didn't like the price for the quarter. Uh, it's it's both. Okay. It's both enough so that like unless it was a really 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 good price, I'm not even I'm not going after Medvedev at all this tournament. Okay. Well, either way, uh, you want to break down the fourth quarter. Uh, in second, the uh, second quarter, sir. Yeah, second quarter, who will go up against the first quarter in the finals. We have five guys. I really won't mention anybody else. I don't know if you have a long shot, but I won't even have anybody even close to a long shot here. No. I got We got Sissi Plus, plus 225, Sinner plus 250, Auger plus 330, Nori plus 600, and Korch plus 1400. And you hear me say a bunch of these guys are between that plus 100 to plus 1000 range because of what we just mentioned. It's really not a reason to go for a long shot in this quarter because of how tough it is with these guys. No, the only time you really want to go for a quarter is if you see the first place guy or the favorite, I should say, a little bit vulnerable, or if there's one guy 
in the quarter and the rest of the quarter is weak and you think, well, as long as you can hypothetically get past this one guy in a perfect world, you have a good Mm -hmm. spot. The problem is this quarter in particular is so deep with talent at the top that there's no point in taking a long shot, in my opinion, because you're looking at your situation you just mentioned with Corda. You beat this guy. Oh, next round, you have a matchup against this guy, then this, and then you have a whole gauntlet of tough players to face off against. Sissipas, Sinner, Felix, Nori, and Chorich, that's a disaster. Like, Nori is right now ranked 12th. That means you have four separate top 12 guys in the same section, and Chorich is also, like, top 20. That's a murderer's row type of quarter. Yeah, no, that's 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 a right. Exactly what you're saying. It's it's a place that you just don't want a long shot to be in. That's it. Period. What I'm going to ask you though, out of those guys that we just mentioned, since we are going to stay within those five, you can argue four if you think that George isn't good enough to actually uh, d- uh, make a deep enough run. I know George gave Sitsipas a run for his money about two weeks ago. He ended up losing in, I believe, three. But that match was all over the place. Sitsipas won a nail biter, and we short showed he could hang with Sitsipas. Do you want to make a case for any of these guys in particular? Who are you looking it's, at out of these five? It's so strange because of the Korch factor. It's like, what is he going to produce in this tournament? It's really, really tough to say because of the performances he's been putting up, and he he lost to Nori a month ago, seven five six three. So we know that he's not like an absolute monster that's going to take out everybody. But it's like, what is he going to do? And he is with Nori here in this in his region. So it, I, I'm looking at a Nori Korich matchup to make um, to go against Augur, who's going to be at the bottom. Um, I'm going to go with the longest one of. The ones are in the plus 100, plus 1,000 range. And I'm going to go with Nori, actually. I think it's tough that he does have to play Korich and Augur. But at least he won't have to face Tsitsipas or Sinner uh, before he gets there. And those guys are going to have to go up each, uh, up against each other before they even get to the quarterfinal. And that's what scares me the most. And that's why I won't take either one of those guys. Does it concern you at all that Nori is playing in a final, either late Friday night or early Saturday, and then has the immediate turnaround for the Australian Open. Yeah, that's tough. That's really tough. Because I got to bring it up, because he's playing against uh, Gasquet in the final in uh, Adelaide. Or, or is that in in Auckland? Sorry, he's playing in Auckland in the final. That's why I'm bringing it up, because we've mentioned this fatigue angle a lot in the past, and I got to bring it up because it applies to Nori. No, you're absolutely right. Um, he's in the semifinal at this point, or is he in the final? It's the final. Right it's in the final. Yeah. That's just that's just a really tough situation. Um, I, the only reason why I'm gonna stick with Nori, and uh, you know that fatigue factor is brutal, and I hate that he has that fatigue factor. But I'm going with value here. I'm going with the mindset of a better instead of the mindset of picking out my bracket right now. And that's what this is all about. That's what we came here to do. And having it at plus 600 versus having it at plus 330 or plus 250 when you have to face one, each one of these guys and break out each one of these guys and then play the final, um, I'm just going to take the value at plus 600, even though I do not like that factor. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the factor either, but I did mention Batista Agut at 14 to 1 about 
10, 15 minutes ago, and he's in the same exact spot. I guess it's different because mine's 14 to one and his draw might be a little bit easier overall. But Nori, I gave out to win Auckland because I had faith in him in this climate and I thought he would perform well because he's one of the most underratedly fit players on tour. And that translates well to three to five in the extreme temperatures of Australia. So Nori, I think, is definitely appealing if you are not concerned by the actual uh, draw itself and the fatigue angle. But I am an ass, though, out of the top three. Let's take Nori out for a second. Sitsipas, Sinner, and Felix. For people that want to take the best of the best in the quarter, which of those three do you think is actually going to make it out? Forget about the odds for a second. Which guy do you actually trust the most out of those three? Uh, so if I'm picking just bracket situations Yeah, here, just bracket. Um, I'm going to go with Yannick Sinner, the okay. young boy. And the reason being is I just think I think he's the most dependable. Tsitsipas has the most talent if he reaches his potential, but I think that at a lot of points he's very volatile and he doesn't reach that. And I think Sinner is a guy that could break him down very well. And if Sinner gets there and he has to play Augur, then I think you know it's it's the it's the coin flip of those two or Sinner versus Nori, whatever it may be. And I just like Sinner versus with his consistency, even though he is such a young player right now. Yeah, I'll tell you what though, Sitsipas who's had some success here in the past. I know he's made a semi or two here. His draw compared to the other guys in the first couple rounds, don't get me wrong, he's still going to be favored pretty heftily in most of these matches. But you're looking at who he might face off in like the third round, potentially Ivashka or Zanschulp. That's not easy in the third round. Like, I think he's going to win the match, but I do kind of wonder if you think he might slip up because you're comparing that third round match against potentially Zanschulp. Look at Sinner. His third round, probably Fuksovics or Musetti. But that's really mm-hmm. not bad either. And you're looking at Felix and who he might face. He'd have to face off against Warenka in the second round, which I don't think scares either of us at this point. Sarundalo in the third round? Like, if you're talking about a hypothetical upset, technically Sitsipas does have the hardest match in the third round out of those three guys. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And uh, if I'm going to go with who I'm filling out the bracket with, I'm going with the guy who has the easier path for sure. Okay. Uh, so for me, I think I am actually going to go with Sinner uh, for the quarter. I found plus 350 instead of 250, so I'll take that as well. Uh, give me Sinner at 350 and... I'll tell you what, I'm going to right now ignore Nori unless he wins against uh, Gasquet. If he beats Gasquet today or tonight or whatever you want to call it, then I'll roll over some of the profits from the outright and I'll put him on to win the quarter for the Australian Open. Fair enough. I'll roll it over. So I have basically a half bet on Nori, depending on how he does against Gasquet. Fair enough. You get him at, what was it, plus 600? Yeah. For all the points you mentioned. Yeah, I like. I mean, I like Nori for the talent and his draw too. The fatigue factor is kind of brutal, but yeah, it's a free bet. It's a free bet for me if he wins the court. If he wins uh, the tour, you know, if he wins in Auckland, it's a free bet. So I can take <laughs> a little bit of the profit and just roll it over. So Fair enough. All right. So before I get into the picks for the lock and dog segment, I want to take a quick word from our sponsors. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. At Underdog, the season never ends. Right now, you can play their fantasy football playoff best ball, the Gauntlet. 
with $1 million in prizes up for grabs. They also have a ton of daily games for NBA and NHL. Plus, when you use promo code SGPN at underdogfantasy.com, you get a 100% deposit match up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished doing our preview and breakdowns of the quarters and the outrights and all the fun stuff for the Australian Open. Now it's time to get into the lock and the dog, but... We decided for the lock and dog this episode, we will only focus on the futures. So we're going to stick with a lock and dog for the actual outrights or some future bets you can make. Sam, I'm going to let you go first. What is your lock for the Australian Open futures? My lock is going to be something that I could probably copy and paste from a different podcast that we've done because I'm picking Novak Djokovic to win the title. And I'm not going to be, I'm not cocky about it. I don't think it's an automatic, you know, I'm, I'm doing it because I, oh, I'm so, so, so confident. But I think it is definitely a lock. Minus 110, Novak Djokovic to win the title. Doesn't have Alcaraz now. Alcaraz dropped out of the tournament. I think he probably was what they think Medvedev is, which is the top contender besides the curious factor of him and him being in Australia and he's out. So I think it's such a, that makes such a significant difference in the confidence for Novak Djokovic here. And at minus 110, even though he has to play curious in, in his quarter, which I forgot to ask you if you think that's beneficial or that's actually a negative for him. Um, but I think that it actually could be beneficial for him to knock him out in the earlier rounds, even though that may be a tough match. I think when he has to play the fourth quarter afterwards, it'd be a little bit easier for him to get him in the groove. I don't think anybody's taking it from him this tournament. I'm picking Djokovic minus one time. Well, to answer your question, it might've been rhetorical. I think it would be, I think it would have been better to face Kyrgios later because as you and I know, he's a head case and Kyrgios can lose to anybody. So the longer you delay facing off against them, the more likely Kyrgios is to punt the entire tournament. I feel like it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. But um, what? I, I see your point. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Same okay. thing. I, no, it, no, okay. I've never heard that expression in my life. That completely caught me off guard. <laughs> what? Okay. Cool. Six of one, half. He started dozen, spitting six. bars at me. I didn't. I didn't see that coming. Like what? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, cool. I made that one up. Uh, anyway, Eminem uh, would be proud. That was a hell of a that was a bar right there. I didn't make, okay. I didn't make that up. Uh, I, that, that was a pure heat check though. That was that was that was something. All right, so you've heard my lock. Uh, you want to hear my dog? Sure. All right, so I'm gonna pick and I'm gonna pick uh, Daniel Medvedev to win the first quarter. What do you think? Uh, well, you. I was going to say you spent half the podcast bashing him, so I doubt you're not going to happen. Not going to happen. I'm going to do the exact opposite of that. I'm taking two guys at plus twelve hundred. You could cry about it if it's two guys, but I'm giving you two twelve hundreds, which equals one six hundred six of one, half a dozen of the other. I'm taking Hercats and Tiafo to win this quarter, both at plus twelve hundred for my dogs. Okay. Uh, so for- I do have to mention. I'm sorry. I do have to mention. I did some research on tournament props. And I know there's a couple of books out there that are trying to um, get one under, get one over, get one over on the players here. And, you know, I've seen some tournament total aces props at 2,400 and a half. And I saw tournament total games, 4,500 and a half. Tournament total go five sets over 22 and a half. I did a full analysis breakdown on all three of these over the past three years. And the numbers are very, very, very close. I really wouldn't consider thinking any of these have tremendous value. And especially if you're going to take one of these, which I don't really um, support doing, 
But do not take any of them that are minus 145 juice. That's all I have to say. Well, I was going to ask with the 145 juice for the games, your stats, how close were they for the game totals? They're really close. They're really close. I, I could bring up I can bring up the averages for you for the past three years. Yeah, and, I, I um, just want to know the games because I do kind of have a point that I want to make. So I'm kind of curious if you can just pull up the games and tell me what you found. Uh, yeah, you're talking about the 4,500? Yes, uh, the, the games, yes. Okay, give me one moment here. I have for 2022... All right, for total games, I have 4,508 okay. in 2022. I have 4,327 in 2021. And I have 4,512 in 2020 with an average of 4,449 games. Okay, so the reason why I brought that up was because I know the Australian Open used to have the massive, uh, you know, they used they were the first tournament to basically cut the fifth set short, and they were willing to do a super breaker. And I wanted to know if your research covered that time frame. It did, so that's why I was asking. So as yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Go I was going to say, as you said before, the numbers are close. I'm not interested, but I wanted to at least mention if that was in anybody else's mind, the time frame you covered, it was not 1816 fifth set stuff that didn't apply. No. Yeah. I just wanted to get that clear. Okay. Yeah. I did my research. Yeah. I, but the point is I wanted to add context to that. No, no, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So anyway, uh, you already mentioned your lock and your dogs, which you chopped in half. Now going into mine, uh, I'm trying to think if I want to just go for two plus money plays or if I want to just play it safer. I'll tell you what I'm torn between. I was going to take Fritz to win the fourth quarter at plus 200 or take any American to win a quarter at minus 140. Wow. But I'm going to ask you, because you mentioned Tiafo having a shot. Brooksby's in another draw as well. The problem is basically my main draw, my main hope is going to be Fritz. So mm-hmm. I guess what I'm wondering are all the other Americans worth basically two dollars and forty cents, or should I just take Fritz because Fritz is my best bet to win a quarter? Right. Uh, I mean, when we look at uh, Americans, I guess you also have quarter there if you yeah. want to throw them in. I I'm personally not doing that, but Isner's got I no chance in hell. We have a yeah, shot there, so. Um, you have the quarter at plus 700 and then the Fritz, uh, at plus 200 and then the Tiafo at plus 1200 quarter and Tiafo are on the same side. So I guess that's your best bet. Uh, best shot at getting it there. I personally would just go plus 200 with Fritz. Myself. That's what I was, that's what I was thinking, but I just kind of want to know your thoughts. Tommy Paul. So, I like Paul as a player. Paul's going to be. The ultimate victory lap whenever he wins a tournament, because I've given him out maybe seven <laughs> times in the podcast, and I don't know if he's ever made a final. He's trying his heart out out there, but it just hasn't worked out. Anyway, point is, I'm going to go with Fritz to win the quarter as my lock at plus 200. Very nice plus money play for a lock usually, but I think he's in a very good draw. And we talked about Zverev having issues, Rude, who we think could be a little bit overvalued here. Berrettini, we saw just lose to Fritz about two weeks ago. I think Fritz has value at plus 200, so that will be my lock. And for my dog, uh, what do I want to go with? Um, You're going with the lock at plus 200? I love it. Yeah, that's what I was going to do. And I'm trying to think of what I want to do for my dog because 
I can't take two from the same damn, uh, you know, same section. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of what to do. I might have just completely That's screwed myself over. I was gonna say Batista good at fourteen to one, but like, eh, like that's not that's not great. You know what? I'm gonna trust my instincts. For my dog, it's actually gonna be kind of ironic because I have the dog as a smaller plus price than the lock. I'm taking Medvedev to win the quarter as my dog at plus one fifteen. That's kind of you flip it around and then you're good. Uh, I'm not gonna do that. Lock at Medvedev plus one fifteen. No, I I know I f- I feel better about the Fritz one, but I I I wanted another plus money boy. Fair enough. It, I got two plus money plays. You can break it up how you want to. Like it, that's pretty good. Now, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to complain. Um, you just you just brought it up. So, all right, you're complaining. So I thought. Okay, not, so not. my lock dash dog dash, however you want to organize it. Medvedev to win the quarter at plus one fifteen, and Fritz to win <laughs> Fritz to win his quarter at plus two hundred. I'll let you work out the semantics. I'm betting both. There you go. Uh, your plays once again. You have Djokovic to win the whole thing. Really hot take, by the way, at minus 110. And then you have two dogs, and remind me what those two were. I got Hercots and Tiafo to win the first quarter. And those were both at 1,200 apiece? That's correct. Okay. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for the show. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, besides that, though, we will be back pretty frequently throughout the week. We should be doing one episode probably per round, so just keep an eye on that where we will be going through matches in the past couple of tournaments, I know the U.S. Open, we did a better job at going through the actual rounds individually. Other tournaments, we kind of were a little bit, I'd say, lax with our coverage. We're gonna be, we're gonna try to be pretty strict with the schedule. We will aim for one episode per round. Does that sound good to you? Yeah. Is it, this is um, the the timings will line up properly, right? I mean, the timing will be good for us, so we're we're ready to go. Oh, uh, they should. Now, the matches, I believe they should be starting most nights, I'd say around 10 p.m. Eastern time, give or take. So maybe we might miss a match or two, but really nothing crazy. We should be getting these posted probably close to, well, like 7 p.m., 7.30 p.m. every night. We'll try our best. So the point is you have a couple hours in between, so it should work out. But... You can find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Uh, you can find me on the NBA podcast, the NFL podcast. You can find me on the PropCast on occasion, and of course, this podcast. Sam, I know you're occasionally on Twitter, sometimes not. Where can the people pretend to find you? They can find me for real in reality, not at virtual reality, but real reality. It's Sam Jacob Tennis. I'm going to post my research and analysis for these props. You're welcome. You don't have to spend the time doing that. I did the entire thing for everyone. I will it post is thorough. it. I did a look through it. Follow- it is very thorough. Give me a follow or subscribe or whatever they want to call it these days for that one, and you'll see me there. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's a follow on Twitter, for the record. Very good. There we go. But other than that, though, we'll be back at some point later on. Maybe for the first round, maybe not. Still trying to figure it out. But either way, until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.